Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Northview, and I'm joined by Crystal. Hello, I'm Crystal. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview. And Erin. Hi there. Um, I'm involved in the women's ministry here, and my husband's an elder. Great. So we have a question from a listener. Erin's going to read it to us. Right. Um, Okay, so we have this wandering bookworm who has written in. She says, I am a voracious reader and have been since I was a young child. By the time I was a teenager, I was reading adult books and also reading a number of Christian fiction books. I read Christian fiction books for about 20 years and have basically stopped reading the genre because I've found the genre basically the same and a tad boring. (laughs) As a result of this, I have basically ignored that genre and read more secular fiction. Should I, as a Christian, only read Christian fiction and classics? From a wandering bookworm. And I would broaden that out because we have questions from people who say, should I only read Christian articles, blogs, listen to Christian Christian podcasts, Christian music? So as Mm -hmm. Christians, should we limit ourselves to that genre? What do you think? Well, I think, first of all, um, we want to be aware of what's going on in the world if we're going to be able to speak into it. So we don't want to be so limited in our Christian bubble, like we've talked about before, that we don't know how the world is thinking, how people are thinking outside of that. So... I think it's good to have a wide variety of things that we read. I think whatever we read or interact with, we need to do it with our brains on. Yeah. Like, I think even picking up a book in a Christian bookstore doesn't necessarily mean that it's theologically sound. No. Um, If it has a, yeah, write-up by somebody that Mm -hmm. endorses it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is in line with the Bible. And so, I think whatever we we read, whether it's Christian or non-Christian, it has to be with with that mindset of sifting through the material. Yeah. And, um... And it can be difficult material, like that's very secular, but we still want to be aware of that sometimes. So we need to know maybe our limits as to what we can handle yeah. in terms of secular material. But I think it's really important that word discernment. I've read so many books where I'm in a few chapters and I'm like, oh, this is not good for me for some reason or other, or it's boring or something. So I have thrown books away. I've recycled books. I've left them at the gym for other people. I have done all kinds of things because I've realized this isn't something I should be reading. It's not necessarily something terrible, but it's not something that's good for me. And I think that's important that we use that discernment. Yeah, true. I've started using audiobooks a lot more in the last two years mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. And when you're reading a book with your eyes, you may come across a section and you're like, eh, this is kind of bleh. But maybe the rest of the book's great, so I'll just skip this. Right. Okay, there's the end of that scene. And you can continue on reading. But when you're listening to an audiobook, it's tricky to get right. past that part because you don't know when it's going to end. Right. So sometimes I've found with listening to audiobooks, I've actually just like deleted them off my phone quite quickly if I get to that stuff because I'm like, I just, the whole, it, it ruins it's the just, audiobook for right. me because mm-hmm. I have to and keep it's not engaging to, you and. Right. But um, that is one thing we have to do is to sort of double check if it's magic or if it's relationships, whatever it is, to make sure that it's something that we can screen and not be totally filling our mind with something that isn't of God. That was my thought. Thalia's phone just went off. That's why we all went silent. (laughs) (laughs) The dangers of the podcast room. Yes, I am getting a text saying that my name is on the dishes list. I'm like, I know, but (laughs) I'm busy doing a podcast. I can't go and do the dishes. (laughs) Sorry, Lyndon, I'll get up there in a little while. That's hilarious. I know. So yeah, I think for this wandering bookworm, I'd say no, you don't need to only read Christian 
fiction, Christian literature. I think it's great to broaden it out, um, but be discerning in everything that you read. Yeah. 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 Anything else? No. Okay. I love to read though. So if you have, uh, you want ideas of what to read, I read, if I could, I would read all the time. Mm -hmm. I have to limit how much I read. So you have a list you'd send out to people if they asked you? Yeah. Christian, non-Christian, websites, articles, blogs. I'm also looking for more. So if you have ideas of things that I should be reading on a variety of topics, fiction, non-fiction, that'd be great. Send it to me. There you go. I'm one reader to another. Okay. Well, let's get into our topic for the day. The topic today is Love Your Neighbor as Yourself. It's based on Luke 10, uh, one of the two main commandments that Jesus gives us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the first one, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And right after the commandment, or right around there, is the story of the Good Samaritan. And we kind of know that story, where this man is traveling along the road, and he sees this uh, Samaritan who has been beat up on the side of the road. And other people have passed by, but this man stops and takes care of the Samaritan, brings him to a hotel, gives money for him to be taken care of. And when I was reading it, I actually just happened upon it last night. I'm reading chronologically through the gospel, so I came across the story, and it grabbed me for today, because Hmm. I thought, the man who stops to help the Samaritan, he doesn't know this man who's been hurt. He doesn't like him because he doesn't know him. He doesn't love him in the way that, you know, their friendship or anything like that. He just helps them. He says in the story that he has compassion on him. And it really grabbed me for our topic today because I thought, huh, that is what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how do we have compassion on people because God created people in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. God's in the people business. So how do we also have compassion on people around us? How are we selfless? How are we looking out for others? Because God looks out for people. Yeah. And as we were talking about this beforehand, just kind of planning out, you know, what we wanted to get across, we re- we realized that the topics we're talking or thinking through are kind of fluffy in the sense that they're everyday little pieces of how we do that, how we show mm-hmm. love and compassion to one another. It's not the big things you're like taking care of an orphan or taking care of, you know, something that's going to take a lot of effort. That is definitely part of the equation. But we thought we'd talk today about those everyday little things that we need to do to show love and compassion to other people because mm-hmm. that's our everyday experience. That's what right. we're going to encounter regularly. Right. Do you interact with people in your life on a daily basis? Yes. <laughs> Very <laughs> many. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk through some of the situations that the three of us are in all the time. So like, for example, we're on staff. So at lunchtime, we have a kitchen that we go to and everybody's encouraged to go there from approximately 12 to 1230 if you can to visit with staff members. And you were mentioning yeah, some things. I'm not in a staff room, <laughs> but I stand on the side of a playground at, at the morning and uh, after school times, and I'm interacting with people in the community. Mm-hmm. You mentioned standing in line at Rumpel Meets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're lonely, go stand in Rumpel Meets at two thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be about thirty other people packed in there, and it'll be hot. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you'll smell like meat. If you want to practice your small talk skills, that's a great place <laughs> that's to do a good it. One. Yeah. And we're often at birthday parties, either for our kids or for people our own age, family yeah. gatherings. Yeah, sporting events mm-hmm. for your family. Yeah. And I'm doing a bunch of grad events. Well, so is Crystal. I know. That's we kind have of exciting. grad tomorrow night, the big the yeah. big shebang. It's supposed to be four hours long. Oh, my. Oh, I'm like, seriously, four How many hours? students? 350. Oh, ow. Yeah. And they have to do each to 120 word little thing about themselves. Oh, no. It has to be read out as they go across the stage. So that'll be a long night with lots of people. Wow. That's yeah. next week for us, but there's only 150 students at the most. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, okay, that was a little side yeah. thing there. <laughs> a little side rant. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I know our kids are involved in youth and youth groups and things like that, youth events of all sorts. And many people have jobs where they're interacting with people all day, teachers yep. or um, customer service people. So what are some of the challenges we face regularly in these kinds of situations? Well, things like events that you go to, like birthday parties, you could be... You could know the host, but that could be the only person you know in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could go into a, into a group knowing only one person. Right, And Awkward. feeling that, yeah, if there's 40 people here I don't know, and they all know each other somehow, and yeah, I don't know how to connect with them. How to feel alone in a big room yeah. full of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you only hang out with your spouse or the one friend? Or are you able to leave that person and go visit with others? That's a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like the lunchroom, do you just hang out with your favorite person or sit in the same spot all the time? Or are you willing to move around and visit with different people? Uh, are you willing to engage in conversation that's not about you? Like join into other people's oh, situations? Oh, the lunchroom is hard. Like for us, for example, I meet with people all day with all of their muck. And so I know that if I take my lunch to the lunchroom, I have to invest in people. Because this is, these are the staff that I work with. So I need to ask questions about their lives, and I need to get involved in their conversations, and I need to be a good sport. If I can't do that, because there are some days I can't do that, I need to eat my lunch away from the staff room so that I don't, you know... Sit there and sulk in the corner. (laughs) Oh, there's Thalia having a pity party again. (laughs) I know. I know. And I know that about myself that, you know, there are some days I wouldn't be a good sport. So I better not be there. It's better to not be there than be there and give a bad impression on somebody, right? In any situation. You don't want to go to a birthday party dragging your heels and kicking and screaming. But there's lots of places you have to go where you need to be there because it's an obligation and uh, you are interacting with people. Whether that's um, being in the marketplace someplace. Yeah. Or um, and the job that you do, yeah, you don't have a choice. So we tell yeah. our kids, and I for myself. I mean, we have to fake it. Like sometimes I have to just paste that smile on and say hi and get into conversation, and I don't necessarily want to. It's just kind of like you know, just be a good sport. Put that smile on. It's hard. Yeah, and then sometimes you know you have to limit your time. Like you only have so much energy for so much, but right. you say, you know what, I, but for that hour, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be all in. And then I'm going to gracefully excuse myself. <laughs> yeah. But you want to g- just leave with that impression that, yeah, you've been there, you've been friendly, you've been helpful to people mm-hmm. and you're ready to engage with them, even if it is for a short amount of time. Yeah. So I wonder if that's easier for some personality types than others. Like you have mentioned, sure. Aaron, that you have, talk about a little bit your daughter. Yeah. My youngest is um, known to be friendly with people that she doesn't know she can shimmy up to somebody on the chair next to her at church and just start talking to them about what she learned in Sunday school or whatnot she can shimmy up to somebody on a park bench and tell them that she had spaghetti for dinner (laughs) and that she's painting a picture with yellow crayons that day yeah she's she's friendly she can engage with people very easily so is that you too mostly yeah okay so for me that has been a learning experience when I was in grade seven, my mom gave me her visa and said, you could phone the Sears catalog and you can order anything you want from the Sears catalog if you'll phone. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't phone. It took me two weeks to build up the courage. Man, you could have had a car or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was anything that you yeah, found we, in there? I know. We still laugh about it. I couldn't do it. I depended on my brother for everything. I, when we'd be out and about, I'd ask my brother, can you ask them the time? Can you ask them the directions? Hmm. Can you get wow. that for me? I couldn't do it if it involved strangers. If it was people I was comfortable with, sure, that was fine. Then I was, you know, 
pretty good. But with strangers, that has been hard. So at the end of grade eight, for example, I started working for my dad as a secretary. And I had to answer phones and I had to bring coffee to meetings and interact with adults. And it was hard at first. It got a little bit better over time. And then when we moved to Abbotsford, when... um, before we had kids, I was kind of lonely. We didn't have any friends out here, didn't have any family out here. So I just started talking with cashiers. And then when we had kids talking to people at the playground, and I found it so much more fun to engage, but it isn't natural. It isn't something that is still easy for me. Okay, It's still something where I know that I'm going to go to something. So take a deep breath, you know, smile. I can do this. I have to talk to myself all the time. I don't yeah. know what you're like, Crystal. Yeah, it, was, it was similar to me. For me, I remember like clearly this moment of, I think I was about 13 or 14, and I was in a basketball gym. My brother was playing basketball, and I was sitting there, and there's people from my school there, but I felt too shy to go talk to anybody. And my dad was out and about just chatting with everybody in the gym, all the parents, all the coaches, whatever. He just was like, and I sat there by myself. And I said to him in the car, how do you do that? Like, I do not know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I I sat there by myself because I didn't know how to engage with the people around me. And so then he talked me through, well, all you have to do, people like to talk about themselves. (laughs) So all you have to do is learn to ask good questions about to people. Ask questions, it'll get them talking. And then once they say something, then think of a follow-up question and think of a follow-up question. And so I was so frustrated with myself that I couldn't do this that I thought it became like a project for me and I would practice on people and I carpooled with a guy uh, like a dad who just drove me to school and so I'd practice you know asking him about his kids and asking and I was here I was 14 right yeah and then I'd practice with the kids that would walk up from I went to MEI and my carpooler would drop me off at the corner of Clearbrook and Downs I guess there and so there'd often be people that would be walking in so I'd practice okay I'm gonna I'd talk to this person today, and then I, you know, as we walked up, practice that conversation skill, and so it became something that I learned how to do. When I graduated from high school, I worked as a waitress for yeah. about six months, and that was That's really good, good training. because lots of small talk, lots mm-hmm. of asking those little questions, yeah. and getting to know people on that shallow basis, and then from there you can build yeah. deeper, right? You can find out which people, yeah, have similar interests or that you could build a deeper relationship with. But I think what you said there is really important. I think we sometimes forget that we need a whole lot of shallow, light conversation before we usually have the right to go deep. Yeah, yeah. that's hard for me. I, know. I would just like to know all about your life. And you'd like to go deep right away. Yeah, a small talk is boring. Yeah. I don't care about it very much. And you don't want your relationships to be stuck there. Yeah. But you have to be willing to engage with people at all those levels. And you'll mm-hmm. only maybe have five or six friends that you can go really you mm-hmm. know, deeper with. And that's fine. But you want to be able to still engage on a polite level, showing people you're interested in them. And yeah. you know, I've overwhelmed I, people before because I just jump right from point A to point D, D. Yeah. <laughs> in like seven minutes. What I often do now is, because I really love those deep conversations too, what I often do is before I go somewhere, I will pray and I'll say, Lord, could I have at least one hmm. deep conversation mm-hmm. at this event? Because often you have to do the light conversation and the polite chatter, which is important and I understand that. But to me, to be able to stand in a corner with a few people or even one person and talk a little bit deeper about some of the things that are hard for them in their life or that are especially exciting, oh, that energizes me. Yeah, I want to know what's in your heart and what your struggles are. But then it's my expectation that I've prayed that I could have one conversation. So if I've had one, I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord, for the one, and then kind of just feel satisfied with that event. Right. It's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So if it is hard for you to engage with people, to think beyond yourself, we just encourage you that it doesn't come easy for a lot of people. Oh. And it's a lot of, and if we think in our minds, oh, it's just natural for the Nicoles, like your daughter, mm-hmm. then we don't think we have any responsibility in terms of building relationships. But if we, if we realize that all of us can learn how to do it. Yeah. So I would say if you're in a church community, whether at Northview or somewhere else, I'd encourage you to come a few minutes early and practice that skill. Try to talk to some people in the lobby or where you're sitting, and then stay afterwards for a few minutes, talk to some people. It's always discouraging for me when I see people uh, quite repeatedly sort of come in right when the service starts and leave just before the service ends or right when it ends. I think, oh, we are being gypped because I don't get a chance to have a conversation with you, and you are gypping others of your presence, and you are not practicing the skill. So it would be really encouraging if you would stay I mean, you can't always, yeah, but sometimes generally, can, but. if you could. Yeah, and I would say, too, like, be brave. And I know it seems weird because it's more natural for me to say that, but I would just wish that people could be a little bit brave on this. And, like, be, in terms of being vulnerable, share. you mean? Yeah, yeah, and be vulnerable. We've We've sometimes been in a community group where people have sat there for, like, a whole year, and the year has ended, and I hardly know a thing about them. Hmm. And I feel like now they're not tied in to the group. Like, there was... There was rarely a moment, if ever, where they would say, this is a need I have, this is a prayer, I'm, it's in my heart. And um, to me, that's like, you're not tied in then, right? You aren't part, you're not tying into that body of believers. And then I don't think that you're going to get back what God could bless you with by right. knowing people more deeply. So that's one challenge in terms of if someone doesn't share, like if you ask good questions, but the other person doesn't choose to share deeply, what are some other challenges like that? Like, I know for me, one of the challenges is that if I ask good questions of someone and they tell me about their life, so they do open up, mm-hmm. but then they don't ask questions back. Right. So you leave the conversation. It's a one-sided a thing. A one-sided thing. You leave the conversation 15 minutes later and they haven't asked me about my life, my kids, my whatever. Right. And stop balanced. Then. Right. You want to do that ping pong kind of effect. We have, we have a few situations where Bob and I have kind of bet, like, how many days are we going to be with these people before they ask us anything about ourselves? Oh, like, there's a few relationships wow. with that. Like, <laughs> just like... That's so disheartening. But it's the way it is sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the analogy when we were talking about this a bit. You said we want our relationships to be like a ping pong match rather than a soccer game because ping pong is things going back and forth, people asking questions of each other and yeah. responding back and forth. That soccer idea was the fact that you ask someone a question, they kick it in the net, and then it's done. Yeah. It plays over. They yeah. don't ever actually go beyond that to ask you questions back or show interest in your life. So there's a few people in my life that I really care about that tend to be quite chatty. And so what I've learned to do is simply insert myself. Like I will, when they take a breath, I'll, I'll ask them <laughs> yes. something so that it doesn't only go one-sided. So they actually, you know, but please it, interrupt <laughs> us. Stop us in our tracks. <laughs> you're talking about yourself? Yes. <laughs> because you said sometimes at the end of a conversation, you're like, oh, I need to stop talking and, and ask them and something else instead. Yeah. yeah. So because I learned to insert myself in terms of the ping pong effect. Because I could easily ask questions of other people here all about their lives, but that's that's not fair. Like, I actually need to also share. I'd be one of those people that probably would share less, mm-hmm. you know, unless I'm kind of forced to. Okay, let's keep moving on. How about some of the things, like some practical skills? How do we get in to conversation and how do you get out gracefully? Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, getting in is, first of all, you have to start with a decision often. Like, I know when I even wander the hallways here on a weekend and I'm on duty, there'll be groups of people talking, and I have to make a decision, okay, am I going to actually put myself out there to to be involved in that conversation, right? So it's just a simple, 
once you've made that decision, you're going to, walking up, having a smile on your face, looking approachable, and uh, just trying to hear what pe- what's going on so you can feel how you can join in. To Smiling, what's going on. And Smiling and nodding. And, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. You want to be aware of what your face looks like and your yes. body posture as you enter a group, right? Yes. So you look yeah. friendly and welcoming. Yeah. And then it's helpful if the other people in the group see you there and catch you up a little bit. Oh, we're just talking about so-and-so's holiday or their mission trip or whatever. Yeah. It's helpful if somebody in the group would clue you in. Yeah. Let's I, try to be people like that. Rather than make you feel like you're an outsider coming into a conversation that you're not going to know what's going on. Right? Yeah. yeah. My husband has, has said that where he's sometimes been in conversation with a few men, but he kind of has joined the circle. And then the men continue to have eye contact only, only with, with each, each other, other. Yeah. and not give him any eye contact because eye contact really includes someone. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give eye contact, you're essentially excluded. So we have to be very careful what our bodies are doing and what our eyes are doing. That we're looking around the room or around the circle and nodding. And even just how we're standing, right? You can often see a group closed off, right? Where it feels like it's a little huddle. Yeah. Like, can you kind of keep, just open your shoulders up to the room or open it so that people know, well, yeah, I could join that group if A little bit of a you instead of an O. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Instead of a donut. One of my kids was telling me that recently, that they were in the schoolyard and they just felt like, I tried. I really tried to join that group, but they said come. But once I was there, everything that they spoke and all their eyes and their bodies were telling me I wasn't really welcome. Hmm. Yeah. What about getting out gracefully? So, well, I'll tell you a little story. Um, Sometimes we have here at church where uh, we have somebody who is sort of hogging the conversation, sort of trapping another person. So let's Mm -hmm. say it's two women and one woman is talking and the other person wants to leave, but doesn't want to hurt feelings, doesn't want to, you know, offend or anything like that. How do you exit gracefully? Give some us some ideas. Go ahead. We can easily yep. say, "Hey, I need to just go grab my coffee before the service begins," or um, I, "I meant to go talk. I needed to chat with that person, touch base with them today before I leave. So, just sorry, excuse me. I need to go and yeah, go and meet up with that person. I promise that. Yeah. How can you refuse a promise? Yeah. <laughs> And you can say things like, oh, you know, I just need to leave now and pick up my child, or I need to go get some groceries quickly before I head home. Yeah. I better get going. You know, I think we can exit ourselves gracefully. Yes. And, and not feel like victims. With, it was nice talking to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or something like Hope that. we can do that again sometime or whatever. Yeah. yeah. We don't need to play the victim. No. And we don't need we to don't need feel. We don't need to stand there in the corner feeling paralyzed. No. We have, we are adults. We can figure out how to mm-hmm. get out of a situation and leave the relationship intact. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it has to take a little longer. You do have to be there a little longer than you might want to be. Yeah. But that's okay. We can survive that usually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. What about expectations when we go to any of these kinds of things? Birthday parties, lunchrooms, schoolyards, standing at Rempel Meets. What are some of our expectations? Well, we want to come off, off really uh, wise and witty and have people kind of think that we're... <laughs> Please love me. Yeah, <laughs> that we're really friendly and great and they'd love to invite us back. But sometimes we put our foot in the mo- our mouth oh. and say something stupid or sometimes we just totally ignore somebody and then we're kicking ourselves later because it just didn't go the way we think it should have. Yeah, I'm often disappointed in myself after some kind of gathering. It often will take me a few hours or a few days even to go, why did I say that? Or why didn't I say that? Or why didn't I make it all around the room? I meant to say hi to so-and-so and and I never did. And so now I feel like, well, maybe they're offended that I didn't say hi to them. And I kind of go over the whole event in my head, kicking myself a bit. It's just part of how it goes for me. I know that already. It's not uncommon for me to find somebody on Facebook later that evening, (laughs) send them a private message and say, just wanted to clarify, (laughs) 
<laughs> something I said might have come out wrong because things just pop out of my mouth. I didn't mean it quite like that. I meant it like this. So just love you. <laughs> yeah. Little either we didn't share enough or we overshared or we forgot someone's name and then used the wrong name. Ooh, We've done that's that before. Yeah, that's, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> please, I'll just put it out there. Please, if you see me anywhere, please tell me your name. Please, me too. Oh, let's just tr- introduce ourselves all the time. Could we just wear name tags all the time? <laughs> no. <laughs> Seriously. It is so uncomfortable when I've met with someone. I know I've talked with them. I've even gone for coffee. And then in the moment, I just, I'm drawing a blank. Well, especially here when you know you meet with so many different people. And it might be six months between when oh. you see somebody again. I know, but that just feels terrible. Well, I'm I thinking I should know the person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, okay. you know, as a side, let's make sure we introduce people to each other. Like, sure. yes. when we're joining a group, sometimes I won't know who I'm talking to. And I would just love with someone to say, oh, this is so-and-so. You know, so That's I try, I try to do would that. Be helpful. Yeah. But I think it's a natural grace that maybe a couple of generations ago would have had, you know, people that went to etiquette mm-hmm. school would have had those things more ingrained in them. But we don't necessarily think of that. But just make sure, like, oh, do you know each other? You know, if you're in a group with, with two different people sure. that don't necessarily seem to. I'm in the season now where my kids and their friends and older friends are starting to have boyfriends and girlfriends. And so what's funny is you run into some kid that I've known for a long time out somewhere and they don't introduce their boyfriend or girlfriend to me. Yeah. And so then, because I think they are kind of caught like, oh, and, and so we forget that kind of grace, like you said, that social grace. So then I come home to my own kids and say, okay, just so you know, when you're out with a friend, introduce them when you run into somebody, because I would have loved, I should have just said. I'm so, Celia, so-and-so, and <laughs> oh, yes. I'd like to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I should have, but of course I forgot to, and then I kicked myself because I didn't actually... Try to introduce Introductions myself. are such a nice little thing, right? Yeah. So we know who we're talking to. What are other expectations we have about events? Well, I think we just know going into events, for me anyways, I know that I'm going to be tired mm-hmm. at the end. I know often there's sometimes where I just feel I've been at a really busy day at work and I'm like, oh, I just don't want to go to another thing again. And so just that knowing that it's going to be exhausting. And so then I have to know within myself, what can I potentially manage that I can do well yeah. and then get out of it. And for how after, long? And for how long can I can I keep this up? Yeah. Because it is a tiring thing for me. Like some people get really energized by being with people. I love being with people, but it can also be tiring. So only yeah. to a point and then you feel yourself going off the cliff. It's yeah. like, oh I'm starting to lose it. Yeah. Sometimes it could be scary. Like mm-hmm. you don't know who's gonna be there. And so that feeling of walking into a room and just that unknown can be right. scary. That's. I think that's across the board, all people. Yeah. I don't know anyone who would walk into a room of just tons of people and go, yippee. No matter how outgoing you are. No. No. It is overwhelming because yeah. you kind of think, where do I start? Yeah. With who? Like, how do I work my way around the room and say hi to all these people that I care about? Yeah. Like, it is overwhelming. I think that's an expectation we have to have. And I think what you said earlier about praying for a deep conversation, I often pray, you know, God, just show me who in this room needs a conversation mm. and who maybe doesn't know people or who's feeling left out. Those ideas of caring for somebody, asking God to show me who those people could be. Especially if I don't know people, then it's easier if I can find somebody else that doesn't know people. Like Then they're more right. wanting to have conversation than the people that are completely joined into the hip with that group. Yeah. They might not be as interested in a conversation with me. Yeah. It's good to look out for people who are also there on their own yeah, especially if you walked in on your own. Yeah, try to find somebody else that and I think needs go- to be kind of like brought in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think going back to our theme of being selfless and looking out 
beyond ourselves. Like recently, I was attending center court here at church, yep. and um, I sat beside an older gentleman, and just a social grace has just said hi and introduced my name and his name. And we ended up having this great conversation and had all kinds yeah. of connections we didn't even realize, people in common that we knew. It was this great conversation, but I could have just sat down because the service was starting and ignored him because I didn't know him. Right. But it was a gift to me that we did talk and interact. So I think sometimes if we just have to get over that hurdle of introducing ourselves to the people around us, you can have this amazing connection that you didn't even realize was there. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships are always worth investing in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just think, you know, I even had a friend that I hadn't seen for 10 years and we were in Calgary for a volleyball tournament last year. And I thought, you know, I haven't seen her for 10 years. Is there even any point in investing in, you know, just picking up the phone and seeing if she's free? I thought, yeah, no, there's a point. And so we did and went out for coffee. And within five minutes, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we were such good friends, you know, even though it was 10 years ago. So it's just worth relationship. It's worth investing in relationship. But sometimes we just get lazy or tired or scared or think, ah, I don't feel like making the effort right now. Yeah, and I think if you mess up, like I do frequently, or you feel disappointed in yourself, it's like, well, you'll have another chance tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, okay, what did I learn? And what can I do better next time? Yeah. And I know, think, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, the neat thing about reconnecting with somebody that you haven't seen in a long time or visited with a long time is they, they might know you and you might know them from a different season. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those layers of what happened during that season of your life are hard to explain to other people. Um, we had really great friends, many great friends when we lived in Madagascar. And um, this one family, they now live back in Canada and we're on different sides of the country. And I was able to reconnect with this friend. She used her flight points to wow. come out to visit with me a few huh. years ago. And it was so great. But even when we connect on an email, Facebook messaging, whatever kind of messaging we use, it's fantastic because there's certain things I can refer to. And it's really hard to explain those 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 intricacies of what life was like at to that someone season. someone been there, yeah. To someone who hadn't been there. But then when I visit with her or some of these other friends of mine from that season, it's like we could just jump right in. Like, remember that and how that affected people and that time when we experienced that. And it's great to go back and visit with people who you knew at a different time. That's Serve nice. them. Yeah. Yeah. So be selfless and invest in those long-term mm-hmm, relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about... Before you go to an event of any sort, what are some things we could do in advance to make the event better? Yeah, I think looking, thinking about who might be there and trying to plan, okay, what kind of questions can I ask? What did they tell yeah. me last time I saw mm-hmm. them? What things were they involved in? What were they worried about? What were they scared about? Um, just those little things so that as you enter the room, you kind of have some ammunition already yeah, in right. your mind as to how you can engage in this conversation. Yeah, especially at this time of year when you think about, okay, what grades are your kids? What's What are some of the major events that are wrapping up at this mm-hmm. time of year, whether it's year-end school end trips or grad or university is finished? Like there's a lot to talk about right now. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's important to come up with questions that aren't just open-ended or aren't closed-ended yes or no answers, Yeah, but those questions that get people talking about yeah what they're experiencing and to think about kind of an event it is like there's people that I'm curious how they're doing after a fairly significant event that has happened in their life maybe I haven't seen them in a while Mm -hmm. and I my tendency would be to jump right in like hey can I ask a couple questions press a bit and I want to hear all the stuff so I can know how to love you better you know care for you and uh it might not be the appropriate setting to do that. Uh, it might be yeah. in a public place that they might not feel comfortable sharing that kind of thing. Yeah. So then keep it light. Or with other people in the room yeah. that they don't want to right. know about something right. or whatever. Yeah. I often try to think about who's going to be there and try to think, oh, who do I want to connect with by the end of the yeah. evening? 
Yeah, that's yeah. important to me. I think sometimes I've been, like I have several part friends who have, um, they'll invite me to an event and it'll be maybe 30 people that I don't know very well, but all those people know each other quite well. And so then I think, well, how can I help my friend? Because I know for her, it's it's always stressful for me when I bring together groups of people because yeah. I don't know how they're going to get along, right? Yeah. right? Are they going to oh, hate yeah. each other? Are they going <laughs> to like each other? So as a host, that's stressful, I know for me. So yeah. I always think when I go to those situations with my friend is, how can I help her feel comfortable? Yes. How can I help her as a hostess? How can I help her, you know, practically and then how can I help her see that her fr- her guests are connecting with somebody? Yeah. So make my way around. So think of yourself as kind of a helper of that person that's hosting. Sometimes people come and they have children with them. Mm-hmm. And the ma- maybe the majority of the people there don't have kids, but this one or two families do. And they may be struggling with behaviors of those children at that time. But they need to have important conversations too, or just even just have a moment to be social. Yeah. Sociable, and it's it can be really helpful if somebody friendly can come alongside and say, "Hey, do you want to go find the the trucks to one of the kids who's yeah. causing some struggle?" And then that mom or that dad has a moment to just go and actually <laughs> visit with somebody over a you know and over think, the barbecue or whatever. Yeah. I frequently get people asking if there are ways that they can get connected with groups for singles. Mm. So I think of these events, and I think if you are a single, don't write off anybody in the room. Because mm. everybody in the room has friends. So if right. you build bridges and make connections and you're friendly and a good sport with even married couples or older people or younger people, they have friends and they will speak well of you to the people in their life. And you never know how that can turn out. There you go. Matchmaking 101. <laughs> <laughs> Suck up to all your married friends. <laughs> hey, I think it's important. No, it's good. <laughs> well, plus, as, even as a single person, there's a, like, every person's an individual, right? Yes. You can still get to know people regardless of whether or not they're married or yeah, single. That's right. Yeah. But sometimes mm-hmm. we just write them off. I know. No, don't we write think, them off. There's no, I don't. good stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's wrap it up that way. Crystal, would you mind praying for us? Sure. Lord, I thank you uh, that you put us on this world uh, and created us for relationship. I thank you, Lord, just for the the weight of that in your scriptures that uh, you tell us, um, Jesus, that we will be known by our love for each other. Uh, Lord, so I just pray that we would learn to love each other well, that we would be Christian women who reach out to the people around us, who show mercy and love and grace, who are selfless, who look beyond ourselves um, to see the needs of others, to see who might need encouragement, who might need a helping hand, who might need um, just a word of of faith or just uh, knowing that we remember them in their situation. So Lord, I pray that you would help us as we learn to love you more, that you would help us to learn to love our neighbors as as you loved us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this opportunity to chat about these things today, Lord. I pray that you would continue to grow us in grace and wisdom yeah. as we follow you. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us today. 